Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the podcast mogul Phil Better. Today, I am very, very excited and honored to have Ricky Arunst, a motivational speaker for the, speaking on diversity, speaking on gender roles, speaking on a lot of different things that are coming up in the world today. And I'm so thank you, thankful to have you here today, Ricky. It's a pleasure to be here, Phil. Um, Ricky, for my audience, since they may not know who you are, could you quickly give us a, a little bit of an introduction? Yeah, um, I'm pr- basically a speaker. I've been speaking professionally for, oh, for about 40 years now, which uh, ages me a lot. Um, <laughs> but I got heavily involved in technology back in the, in the 90s uh, when the internet had just started. Literally, I had my first website by 1994 and uh, I got heavily yeah, involved in extranets and all sorts of, uh, of, of good stuff. Wrote a book, the Ooh. ABC of the World Wide Web in 1998, when most people didn't even know there was an internet. We were still trying to figure it out. Um, but um, I, I think probably the big thing that shifted me is, is that I now speak um, partly because I've, I've really lost the, the glamour of racing around the world from one hotel to another using... Uh, air-conditioned cars and jets and planes, <laughs> never even knowing which country you're in, let alone uh, what what's going on. Um, I, I like to do it all from my dining room now. Uh, I can travel around the world and I can multiple. I can multi-country. Uh, I can. Yeah, you can I, hit multiple can, countries from that. Yeah, but I can speak in multiple countries at the same time. So this is what happens. I get a lot of cl- a lot of clients that come to me that say, "Look, we've got uh, we've got people in Mauritius, we've got some people in India, we've got a few in London, and we've got some in Netherlands, and we want to get them all together and have a talk about uh, about the gender issues, yeah, you know, that that affect different people." So it I, it's quite quite interesting being able to sort of work uh, internationally, but actually uh, not even leave here, and that's been the big benefit, hasn't it, of mm-hmm. um, of COVID that we've all learned how to use online technology and become digital entrepreneurs through online um, you know, communications. And that's really where I am now. So I speak about gender and transgender issues and storytelling. I still you know, do a bit about speaking, but mostly I do it digitally now. Mostly it's virtual speak. Which, which saves on fees. Because if you think about it, oh. like you don't have to, there's no hotels anymore. So you don't have to deal with the hotel food, which... Let's yeah. just be honest. The continental breakfasts at most hotels aren't the best thing. <laughs> no, they're not. No. Um, no, I, I just it's it. Yeah, I, mean, I can do two, three keynotes in a day without too much problem. Now, where previously it was one, lots of traveling, sitting in. And I think what people don't get is that for most speakers, we, yeah, as a speaker before, yeah, the whole Zoom thing yeah. uh, took off in 2020. Uh, we spend most of our time on our own in a hotel room waiting for the meeting that's going to happen tomorrow. Um, so, so, you know, uh, I much prefer the idea of the comfort of my own home until I'm ready to go online and uh, then we go for it. So. Yeah, no, and plus you can always just be in shorts. That's the, yes. the big thing, the shorts. As long as up here, uh, as long as the upper party is good, we're, we're, there's no worries. Like shorts, skirt, like whatever you feel like. Yeah. Um, now, Ricky, you, you said you started in the digital world back in the jump of the internet with your first book. How did you decide, like, hey, the this internet thing, I don't think it's going to be a fad. I think it's going to be here for, like, how did you start getting into that? I, I've always been fascinated 
with technology. I I, I tried to become a programmer back in the in the seventies, uh, and um, but I got switched into marketing. And um, there's always been this tug between the fact I love technology, I love playing with technology, but I also am a bit of a performer. So I like being on stage or on screen or wherever it is. So we've got this battle, and um, I. I had been involved in the financial service industry for quite a long time and technology was slowly moving into people's lives. And we, <clears throat> and I was head of marketing, so I had a big technology-based marketing operation. So once I left there, I got headhunted into a, a quite big uh, US technology company. And, uh, and I could see what was going on and the whole idea that you could actually go online somehow with your computer and you could figure out what was the best rate that you could get for something. And yeah, you could buy everything without having the, the hassle of searching around and sending off. When I mean, people don't realize it, back in the 80s, if you wanted to get a quote and do some comparisons, you were setting it up, yourself up for a month long investigation into which life insurance policy should I buy or which car insurance policy. Now it's five minutes on, you know, on an internet search engine and you've got it so i could see really early on and the, the the md of the company i did a lot of work for was really heavily into it he could see the whole thing it was one of the first dot-com booms in the uk uh yeah they <clears throat> did an ipo and all walked away with millions um, <laughs> and then the bubble burst of course yeah, uh, no, <laughs> uh, i was a consultant so i didn't get any of it so <laughs> I didn't have the shares, but never mind. But but I learned an awful lot. I, I learned that technology really was going to change everything about our lives and the way we did everything. Which, uh, uh, but you know, my job throughout the whole of the nineties was trying to convert all of these people that were dinosaurs stuck in the world of rate books and paper based operations. Say, come on, yeah. And then CDs came out. I mean, God. Oh. <laughs> The CD-ROM arrived, and then uh, it was. I mean, it was a really amazing time. The nineties, as we went through it, things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we started off with Windows in 1991, and the internet just quietly happened in the background. Nobody was even aware of that for a few years, and uh, I, I think it was a really exciting time. The nineties, as the whole thing just evolved, and yeah. And then at the end of the nineties, I set up the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. So we, uh, uh, and I got very heavily involved there in setting up the, the association's first website so people could search for speakers and I, i've always loved it it's just just and here i am at 70 now still thinking hey, i'm gonna keep going with this to the end well i could I, I can tell you that you have more energy than most 70 year olds i know so i, I i'm pretty <laughs> sure you can go at least till 90 without an issue that's maybe no 90 is probably where you should start slowing yeah. you know, just maybe, maybe you know once a week doing a couple speeches <laughs> um <laughs> but ricky you you said that you've ha always had the passion for the technology you always had a passion for you know performing being in front of the crowd and i can fully uh feel that because i love being in front of a crowd and it's one of the reasons i have a podcast actually multiple podcasts because people get to listen to me and uh secretly we all just want to be listened to um yeah. i i want to know what made the jump going from working for a financial institution or working for a financial company and being full-time there to deciding to risk it being a consultant and then going on and building a speaker a professional speaking hub for speakers in the UK. Like, 
what was the uh, driving force? Was there a moment that was like, I want to be my own boss. I want to be the person in my life like that controls my destiny. Yeah, I, I, it was the back end of the 80s. I, I, I just was beginning to, I, I was coming up 40 and I thought, yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I got into a bit of an argument with my boss because I, I, I wanted to do something and I'd gone off and done it. Um, and I said, where, where were you yesterday? Oh, I had something else to do. I was busy. Oh, you, we were need, you were needed here. We needed this. And, and I thought, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really sick of this. I, I, I want to be able to do my own thing. Um, and in fact, I missed out with the uh, the company that I got involved with that made a load of money. They offered me the job as marketing manager a few years later. I was doing my own thing. I was working with some associations. Um, I'd written my first book. And and I suddenly I was offered, you know, become a director here and you can get, you know, we'll give you loads of money and the potential to make millions, which would have happened. But I, it was all, you know, maybe, maybe then. And I thought, no, I don't want to give up this. I've I've just got myself now where I'm running my own life. It's tougher. Mm-hmm. There isn't any question about that. It's a lot easier to work for somebody, pick up a salary, not have to worry about you know, you know, getting the accounts in at the end of the month. And, you know, all of those challenges that come with running your own business. But the fact that I I do what I want to do and I I choose who I work work with. I don't have to work with somebody just because everybody else thinks all oh, they're worth a lot of money. No. Uh, I like to work with, I've got some quite strong ethical standards and there are people I would not work with and there are people I love to work with. I think that's more than anything else. It was that sense that I just needed to be able to do this for me um, and have that freedom. No, oh, I, I, and I, I, I'm seeing, I don't know about yourself now in the UK because I can't, I'm not over the UK, but I'm in the news, we're getting this, uh, this, this quite quitting and I, I feel it is because of the entrepreneurial world that's being sprung up with uh, YouTube sharing how people can become entrepreneurs. What was it like in the early 80s, 90s when we didn't have like a resource like YouTube to teach you to be an entrepreneur? How did you go about figuring out like, all right, how, how, how do we do? How do you run a business? Like there's I don't were there a lot of resources for you at the time? Um, no, there weren't. Um... <laughs> And, and I nearly lost everything at one point because of that, because I, I really hadn't figured it out, um, hadn't been keeping accounts very well and putting them in. And uh, it all caught up with me. Um, one of the reasons I changed gender was quite literally the fact that, you know, the Inland Revenue suddenly arrived and said, you owe us uh, 50 grand. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that person no longer exists. Bye. <laughs> Oh, so the house went and a few other things had to go and the relationship went and I paid my, I paid the money literally on the 11th hour, they got their check for 50 grand. And, uh, and I thought, mm, that's a bad mistake to have made that one. Cause, uh, so the problem, I just hadn't been accumulating money. So no, I hadn't learned the rules about, you know, keeping yourself on top of it, paying you know, as you go. And, uh, it nearly yeah, finished me. Um, and, uh, Although, you know, to be, you know, it, it all happened. It was a bit tough at the time, but uh, it meant that I suddenly looked at my life and thought, you know, is there anything I should be doing in my life that I'm not doing? And one of those things was I'm not really being myself. I'm still hiding the fact that I'm transgender. And that had been hidden all my life. Yeah, you know, from the age of six, I knew I was trans. Um, I didn't even have a word for it then. Transgender word hadn't been invented. Mm-hmm. I just knew there was something wrong. So I should have been a girl, wasn't. Um, and yeah, 
there I was at 50 and I thought, right, I'm going to do this. I've got to come out. So that was the next big leap for me it was not so much about entrepreneurship, but about suddenly deciding I was going to do th this. And within six months of coming out, um, I was my business had fallen off a cliff. No one would book me. No one wanted to talk to me. No. Yeah. Being a technology and sales mm. speaker wasn't it wasn't wasn't a thing. So I had to do the tough thing that I think most entrepreneurs probably find at some stage that they've got to do the market they're in as as has moved, you've got to shift. You can sometimes pivot what you know into somewhere else. Yeah. I couldn't even pivot this time. I literally stopped, um, grabbed what money I could from pension funds and went to university, did a master's degree in gender. Because um, I figured, yeah, if people won't book me because I'm transgender, what do I need to do to so that they will become an expert? And it just happened to be at a time that the laws were all changing. And so suddenly there I was, I'd got my degree. I'd I, I got some funding to help set up a social enterprise and uh, got myself into a whole different world, moved away from speaking, was, was still doing training. But um, I, I think one of the big things I found about being an entrepreneur is that you have to learn to be the best at something. You've got to, you've got to, I, I see lots of people trying online entrepreneurship and they're just grabbing stuff around and trying to sell it. Um, they don't really believe in it. Most of, yeah, a lot of the stuff that they talk about is, is absolute bull. You know, it just, it's not the truth. Uh, mm. They're faking it all, trying to make it look like they're doing well. Um, yeah, being an entrepreneur is tough. It's hard. Um, but you really have to do something that you absolutely love and you have to become the recognized expert in what you do, particularly in something like speaking. Um, if people hire me, they want to they want to know that they can ask me any question and I'll have the answer. I'll, I'll have been there. I've done it. And it's it's kind of amazing because you two points in your life, two major points, if you look at it, you were at the forefront of the boom of the dot com and were able to use that to leverage. And then you were at the forefront of the, this social change. You were yeah. at a business change and now you're at a social change and you're using your expertise because you, even though you can't do talks on marketing and sales, you can still use that knowledge to help oh. sell your current business, uh, your current talks on uh, gender roles and transgender rights and all that so that you can become the expert because you have that mastery from uh, the previous job. That's, you're, one of the joys of being an entrepreneur is taking your skills and multi using it to multiply your next skills. Yeah, and I think yeah, I, most people I know who are entrepreneurs have had to make those shifts at some point. They've they've gone somewhere new. They've something new has happened. Sometimes it's because the market. I mean, look at twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we were. The whole world suddenly told, "Okay, fine. We're just going to freeze everything. Not quite sure for how long, but basically, stay home." <laughs> Stay home, enjoy the relaxation. We're going to go on pause for a bit. So, um, so all of a sudden, you know, thankfully, a company like Zoom saw the opportunity, and 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 I think Zoom's probably done more for online presentations. I, I love Streamyard as well; it's a brilliant product which I which I've used. So, you, we've had a couple of companies that really grabbed it. And interestingly, it's been new companies. Yeah. That came from nowhere. The big companies like Microsoft, who had they had to sort of go and buy Skype and try and reverse that into another product and produce something which hmm, it, it okay, works. I, it sort of <laughs> works. Yeah. But I always I always cross my fingers whenever somebody says, Oh, we're gonna do it on Teams. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, I feel you there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've coming to me with Google Meet recently. Said, I want to have a meeting on Google. And I go, well, actually, Google Meets is, is, is surprisingly well. I, I do enjoy is. Google Meet. The but thing I've had to find about Google Meet is that it defaulted to my laptop camera. Yeah. And I could not find how to change that. And I had a whole meeting with somebody thinking, where? <laughs> and the whole time you're giving this speech, you're just like, okay, where's that? How do I make it look like I'm not searching for something, but still yeah. giving the relevant information? It was just a meeting. It wasn't actually an actual presentation, I think. Uh, but I've spent the whole uh, today because of that. It was an 8.30 meeting this morning, and it just could not figure it out. And it, and, and now I found it. I've, I went online and I, f I figured out where's the where's the settings control that enables me to change the camera uh, bring in the one. um I, I did an online co a conference once and literally they had it they used a back-end software which then went into hopping which is streamers yeah. uh, and it had no ability to change the camera settings so it automatically picked up and it picked up something that didn't even show me at all um oh my so God. We, were, we, we had awful problems in the in the original first meeting uh, trying to do it by phone and yeah and then i had to go in right into the back end of google's settings on chrome and found it in there so it, um, and that's the that's the thing about being a technology entrepreneur is that you have to learn so much <laughs> you're constantly learning it's a it's a field that you never stop learning because no. new things are coming out all the time to try and um, my, my partner's going nuts at the moment because uh, apple have just upgraded just done an upgrade on their iphone and it's messed up facebook and facebook haven't caught up and <laughs> that 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 is the worst when when you get the, the for some reason the companies don't talk to each other when they're updating their things and then everything starts breaking and you're like you guys literally are next to each other in silicon valley you can you can you can deliver a note <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> you can deliver a note well, have lunch together have lunch together talk to each other you just walk across the street yeah but I worked in a tech company and the, the guys were sitting next to each other in booths and emailed each other. <laughs> so there so we go. Um, I, I want to know, Ricky, in your span, accumulated a lot of knowledge. Is there a moment that you're like this, apart from being able to have that freedom that you said, yeah, this is the reason why I jumped in studying gender roles, the transgender rights and building that or, you know, doing the technology er during your technology time. Was there a period that, like, this is why I wanted, like, this is why? I, uh, I don't know if there was a moment that sort of took me into, I've always loved technology, just fascinated me right from, from right from the very beginning. Um, becoming an entrepreneur was more about me doing my thing. I, I, it's probably more about the speaking. Um, when I'm, t I do, uh, I, I do storytelling and speaking coaching for people, particularly executives. And I try to get them to find those extraordinary moments, those moments in their life when everything went off in a different direction. And you can, if you track back your life and do a, yeah, a sort of, you know, look at your path, mm -hmm. there'll be a moment when suddenly it, it sprung off onto another direction and tracking it back to find out what was the moment when that happened. That That's, that's often the really interesting thing where you suddenly see, yeah, boom, um i was at college um at 18 did my um i was trying to get to university my dad was an engineer he'd been in the uh, fleet aeron and he thought engineering was the direction that you ought to be going uh, but i just 
couldn't get on with physics and you know maths and stuff uh, maths was okay but the the applied stuff physics and that just didn't work for me at all so i failed all my a levels and i came back uh, persuaded me to let me have another year at college i got to college um and a friend of mine said why don't you come and do you know get involved in the in the play we're doing julius caesar shakespeare's julius caesar and i said well i, I don't know well, I'm, i don't think i'm that good at acting I said well yeah come along you know and yeah, we've we've only got one changing room for the boys and the girls, so it's it's a <laughs> it's a win win. It's a win win. <laughs> so uh, I they were still casting for Mark Antony, which is the big Roman friends, Romans countryman yeah. speech. So I I learned that as much as I could, and I went out and I really blasted that and blew away all the competition, and I got the part. And the director uh, came up to me after and said, "Okay," he said, "You got the part, but you're not good enough." Oh. <laughs> I thought I was very good. So no, you're not good enough at all. Uh, he said, this is the big part, and I need you to be better. So I need you to try and find some of the drama classes and attend those. And it turned out that the whole drama course just fitted in with all my free time apart from one. And it was quite a big course. It was, you know, equivalent of what we have A-levels here. But it was, it was, it was a, a big course. So I took it, passed it, and um, I didn't get into drama college. But that acting was the thing that really took me into speaking and that's took me into training to start with and then into speaking. And then I started to see, um, and the moments that really made differences were, yeah, the first conference I attended where I saw people get up on stage and deliver these speeches and thought, Ooh, yeah, I could do. Um, and I set up the, the professional speaking association here after I'd attended an NSA convention in Minneapolis. And I got there and it's like two and a half thousand speakers and, and I just was blown away and thought, oh, we've we got to do that in, the, in in Britain. So that drove me to set up the uh, the PSA. Um, and I think it's it's those moments when you so co attending conferences or having conversations has sometimes been the big shifts um, where I've just gone somewhere and come back and thought, no, 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 this that's where I've got to go. That's got to be the, the thing. And it just fired me up. Um, but acting more than anything else, doing that acting course at college, best thing I ever did. I, um, I have to say, that's probably the earliest uh, memory someone's shared where it's that's their why. That's when they figured out that's the, the as you say, the change of directory, a trajectory yeah. of their life, being in college and seeing the uh, deciding to go on a whim to try acting and then it opening up this new world. Yeah, and, it, and the interesting thing was that it didn't take me into a career in acting. It was, yeah, I took, I, I did a conventional career in financial services and took all the professional qualifications, but I keep kept coming back to marketing, kept coming back to to speaking, and uh, and it was right. For, I just knew that was it, and I was trying to track back the storytelling. I thought, where, where what? I, I was never taught storytelling. I I learned it, mm -hmm. uh, and where did I learn it from? And then I realized my, my dad had been a consummate storyteller he'd obviously had a life during the war and everything else and he had yeah. 25 years in the services and he had all these amazing stories about how he personally was responsible for the sinking of the bismarck you know, it <laughs> probably wasn't entirely true but he had a, he had a big part to play in it because he was there um, when it all happened and and then he was off to india and you know with uh tramping through the jungles trying you know create creating laying strips he had this little game he used to do of wiping red hot pokers over his hand and licking them which he'd been taught by an Indian faculty and they were all part of the storytelling I lived in a pub uh, for most of my childhood and so my dad was always telling stories to the customers you know they come in and 
And I suppose I learned that, that that storytelling was half the reason people came to the pub because, you know, Ted Arundel will be, will be telling us a story tonight about something. Um, I don't know how true they are, but I learned you can embellish stories. You can polish them and make them sound better. You've got to concentrate in a whole period of time into a, a very short uh, moment. Mm -hmm. It becomes a great story. Um, so, you know, yeah, the things that put me on the right roads, when we track it back, sometimes it's way, way back, but we don't realize it for maybe 20, 30 years before you think, ah, oh, that was why that happened. <laughs> yeah, we need that vision to get that hindsight and see the bird's eye view of the world we live in yeah. um, and our, our, our life that we've had. Because it's taken me looking back and saying, oh, so those were the moments in my life that led me. To yeah. So, yeah, having that distance allows you to um, see that. Um, Ricky, we are coming up to the end here, and I hate it. I have two okay. questions left, and it cool. sucks because I'm having a great time talking with you and learning about you. But I, I was wondering if you could provide a piece of advice. Since you've had a, a, a long career in the entrepreneur with the digital world being part of it I, I was wondering if you could give it advice to anybody looking to jump into looking to get their feet wet and decide maybe the corporate world or the nine to five world isn't really me i want that freedom that entrepreneurship brings do you have any tips for them you've got to be able to access that personal passion for what for what you're doing and i think <clears throat> um people too often get attracted by some advertising, some promotion. I'm just as bad. I mean, I've got the number of, of courses and products and, you know, instant wealth programs <laughs> that I've bought that never worked. Um, but you learn things from it and it's 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 been fun. But it's you've got to be working with a passion inside. And the, the same thing when I'm talking to speakers, you know, sense of purpose. It's got to have a passion uh, behind it. Um, and if you haven't got that sense of this is what I want to do, when I changed gender, I thought this was going to be a secret for all my life. Once you're out, you're out. That's the great thing about doing something like this. You can't put this back in the bottle. It's, you know, when the secret's out, the secret's out. That's it. You deal with it. Uh, and when I came out, I came out big, bold, loud, because I was I was very well known. I was a you know, well-known journalist and speaker. So there was no way to do it quietly. And so I think that's another thing. If you're going to do it, do it big, do it bold, do it loud, be proud. Um, and it, if as long as it's driven by a passion inside of you, says, this is what I'm meant to do. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one story. I, I went to an NSA convention in Washington. Um, I think it was I watched it, I can't remember, watched it, Dallas. Anyway, um, I'd had an opportunity to, to get in front of about 100 really top speakers and ask one question and get five minutes of yeah, quick fire answers from some of the top speakers in the world. Yeah, people like Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and that work with it in that audience. So this is, yeah, this was unbelievable opportunity, five yeah. minutes of gold. And I said, look, in, in the UK, the top speakers are nearly all celebrity. What do I do to become a celebrity? And there were a few answers coming around. And then somebody suddenly said, <clears throat> um, uh, Ricky, being a celebrity means being celebrated for something. What do you want to be celebrated? I thought, wow. And I didn't have the answer. Two days later, I'm driving home uh, back in the UK. And I don't know where this voice came from because it was not my voice. But this big voice came into my head that said, be celebrated for being transgender. And <clears throat> we're on, we're live. I won't say exactly what I said. 
<laughs> a few few choice curse words maybe have escaped exactly. the words. Yeah, you are kidding. No, and it wouldn't go away. This thought had got in my head. Be celebrated for being transgender. My God. Um, is that what this is all about? This is what it... And that was it. Um, once I took the road to start coming out, there was no way to stop it. And I've never regretted it, no matter what. It's been tough. There have been times when I've had literally no money at all, but it has been, you know, an unbelievable journey and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Celebrate, have a reason to be celebrated. You found your reason to be true. Yeah. You're showing that it, other, like it doesn't matter. You can be who you are, no matter what in your life, period in your life, be true to yourself. I love that. Now, this I like this because it goes back. It, go, it goes into the question from Spark from Seek Discomfort, the boys over okay. at Yes Theory. If you were 99 years old and given a chance to come back to today, what would you do right now? Oh, gosh. Uh, That's an interesting question, isn't it? If I came back to today, um, I, I think I would do exactly what I'm doing. I, I, we're, we're going through a pretty tough time right now globally. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are facing huge problems. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they're tackling big energy bills and prices going through the roof, you know, cost of, of gas get, getting stupid, um, I, we forget that businesses have that same problem multiple times. So because they've got they've got I mean, it's just hitting businesses even even more. Um, so I'm I'm just finding that what I've got to do is to just get out there, show up Um speak anywhere I can, speak for free, get on podcasts, guest on podcasts, um, write on, on um, LinkedIn, do uh, some videos on LinkedIn, just get out there and be out there. Uh, because from a business point of view, that's that's all you can do as an entrepreneur. It's a tough world trying to get and connect with people. We can do all sorts of networking, but the thing that gets me most business is people saw me. And that's what the people say. I saw your TEDx talk. I saw you on a thing. Uh, a friend of mine saw you speak on it. did do a conference and we'd like to. That's what most of my work comes from that kind of word of mouth. People saw me because I got out there. And when things get tough, I know I've just got to be out there even more. Yeah, and you've proven that you can come back from multiple uh, hardships or going behind the eight ball with uh, the, the change in your business and all that you're able to overcome any challenge and uh i'm sure you're going to dominate for the next at least 20 years until you're 99 so you can go back in 99 and be like i wish i was back 20 years ago <laughs> yes having fun back on the invest in yourself show uh ricky i'm going to jump off stage i'm going to allow you to have the last little five minutes to let my audience know where they can connect with you how they can uh, book you or anything you want to share with my audience the floor is yours Oh, thank you very much, Phil. Yep, um, I I love doing what I do, which is actually about helping raise awareness and helping organizations to become more LGBT inclusive. Um, right now, I actually don't even have a website. Um, it got hacked badly, and I found that I'm getting more connection through LinkedIn, which is where you'll find me. Um, please connect up with me um, on, on LinkedIn. There's lots of uh, illustrations and ideas about what I do, some connections to my talks, uh, connections to my media appearances, connections to me talking on podcasts. So if you run a podcast and you like a guest, love to be on there. If you run an organization, you want to raise awareness of LGBT issues, connect with me on LinkedIn, chat to me. Uh, I'm sure that I can help you. Uh, I can certainly deliver an entertaining, interesting presentation to help everybody get a better idea about this strange, weird LGBTQ world. So 
catch me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Ricky Arundel, R-I-K-K-I-A-R-U-N-D-E-L. Ricky Arundel. There we are. Oh, other side. Um, yep. I'm the only Ricky Arundel in the world from what I can work out. So just check me out on LinkedIn and uh, love to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ricky. To my audience, um, of course, the links will be down in the show notes below to connect with Ricky. Um, please do. Uh, they have a wealth of information on their uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, have it pulled up now just before, just to get more information about Ricky. And uh, I can't thank you enough, Ricky, for coming on the show today and sharing your story. Been a great pleasure. Thank you, Phil. Very welcome. And my audience, you know what time it is. It's the end of the episode. So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you, Ricky, for coming on. And as always, invest in yourself. Oh, 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 oh,